Hello and welcome to Life of the School, Episode 4. Hello, in this episode, I sit down with Amy Swiderski. Amy is a human physiology and AP biology teacher at Kahuku Hawaii, an intermediate school in Kahuku, Hawaii. Uh, Amy also teaches an online AP biology course through the Hawaii eSchools program. In addition to teaching, Amy is a Health Academy advisor and the Health Occupations Students of America Future Health Professionals Competition Advisor. She also is the Science Olympiad Advisor and a Green Science Sustainability Co-Advisor. Amy earned her National Board for Professional Teaching Standards Certification in 2012. She has also worked as an online mentor and facilitator for e-mentoring for student success, or EMSS, since 2006. Amy earned her BA in Biology from the University of San Diego in 1992 and a post-baccalaureate certificate in secondary education from the University of Hawaii at Manoa in 1998. Welcome, Amy. Hi. Hi, it was great to talk to you. We haven't actually talked in in a while. We used to talk uh, like almost every month uh, for a couple of years there um, when we were both working for EMSS uh, in a program. So I'm so glad that you got to sit down and and talk. Yeah, it's great to be here. So are you? Um, so you were in Hawaii. Does uh, are you in your summer break now in Hawaii? I am. I have two more weeks left of summer break. We start actually at the end of July, which is very hot, but it's yeah. it works. So we're, yeah, we're recording this on uh, July 11th. This will come out actually in August. So when this comes out, you will be back in school. Um, oh, right. Yeah. So yeah, I will be, I, I've only been out of school now. This is my third week out of school. But when you go back to school, I will still have five weeks left. So <laughs> there's the, there's the, the advantage. So you're, you're coming to the end of summer. So, yeah. well, let me, uh, let me jump right into it. Maybe we'll get back to some of these sort of summer topics a little bit later, but uh, I'll start with my first question. I like to ask everybody, how did you become a science teacher? What got you into the classroom? Um, well, actually I never really thought I was going to teach. I, um, after, when I was in college, I was doing a lot of research in San Diego with a biotech company and I really enjoyed doing that. And, um, Shortly after we got married, we decided to move to Hawaii and came with no jobs or anything. And uh, I applied for some research positions at the University of Hawaii, and I didn't even get an interview or a call or anything. We didn't have a lot of biotech in Hawaii at the time. That was in 1992. And so I started uh, doing phlebotomy or drawing blood for a lab, and that was literally what I did for eight hours a day, five days a week. And got pretty monotonous. I wasn't running tests or anything, just literally drawing blood all day. <laughs> so yeah. I decided I wanted something more and I come from a family of educators. So I thought, well, let me give it a try. So I, they had a special program for people who already had degrees. It was like a nine month teacher certification program. So I did that and I've loved teaching ever since. I think it was definitely the right move to make and I'm really happy that I did it. Wow. I, I remember reading, and I don't know if this is still the case, um, but I remember, uh, you know, certain islands in Hawaii uh, always had you know, teacher shortages or shortages in certain areas. Is that is that part of the, the push for these certificate programs? Because, you know, being an island that there may be, you know, not enough science teachers or not enough teachers of certain subjects? 
Oh, definitely. And it, it's still a problem now. They do a lot of recruiting on the mainland. They even pay fees for people to move over and everything. So I think that was some of the incentive. Um, you know, they, they, they do tend to have a lot of programs. You know, they have the regular teacher education programs too, but um, for people who already have a degree, instead of kind of starting over, it was nice to be able to do that nine month uh, program. So. So that sort of brings me into, um, you know, I was mentioning to you earlier, you know, we always set these things up. And so we're, you know, it's, I'm here, it's nine o'clock um, here in East Coast time. Um, I, there's like bright sun coming through a window behind you. And we've done this many times before where it's always this like funny conversation where, you know, I was in professional development all day. You know, I came home, I had dinner with my family, my kids are in bed. I've done my run for the day. Like to me, this is like a nighttime and there it's, you know, the middle of the day. Um, aside from that, it just it always strikes me as that teaching in Hawaii would be would be very different. So, you know, you didn't grow up in Hawaii. You grew up in, in California, correct? Or you went to correct. school. And so what what are some of the unique challenges of of teaching in Hawaii? Well, it's I would say probably, you know, kids are kids no matter where you go. I have two sisters that are also teachers. And so I talk to them and we have the sim you know, we have similar problems, but we have kind of a unique system here and in that our entire state is one school district. So we have one superintendent, we have little complex area superintendents, but basically the whole rules, the school calendar, the money, everything is statewide. So that's kind of a unique thing um, that I don't think very many other states have. Um, and at my particular school, we have, I'm in a really rural community where like, if you've ever seen Friday Night Lights football, that's kind of our school. We are a football school, we're very community, community oriented. The kids are very relaxed. Um, the atmosphere is very relaxed. The dress is relaxed. You know, it's pretty much everything is kind of on island time. Everything's very, you know, um, but that has the good and bad things about it. So for me, I would say the thing I like most about it is the the kids themselves. They're so friendly and, you know, they will go out of their way to yell at you across the lawn to say hi. They're very, you know, just always friendly and respectful. And when they come into class, you know, they, they say good morning and, you know, they're, they're, very, they're great kids. Um, academically, not so, you know, that's not the focus. Focus is very family oriented, very community oriented. So, and, you know, I know that that's not necessarily a Hawaii-wide thing. It's more of a community thing for where we are. But a lot of the rural schools here have similar positives and similar challenges. Yeah, I know that from teaching in some smaller schools, I think in my, my first school, um, I remember the, the first day of hunting season. And I walked into class and there were like half my class was gone. And, you know, I grew up in in a fairly rural part of the state, but my school was a pretty academic school. Um, but I walked in and I, I turned to somebody and a kid looked at me and it was like, it's the first day of hunting season. Like I was the dumbest person ever. Like it's the first day of hunting season. If you're a boy and you're 16, you are hunting with your dad and they were all gone. And it was a it was a very different thing. But at the same time, while there was this strong sense of family and strong sense of community, um, I didn't get a sense from a lot of the students. There was a lot of vision of what was outside. Like once you drove outside of town, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of vision of what's beyond the, the town border. I would imagine when the town border or the island border is surrounded by water, you might have similar issues. Do you have issues with students having a, a hard time in, envisioning, you know, life, you know, beyond their island, beyond, you know, the small scope of community that they know? Oh, definitely. You know, and 
and especially where we are. I mean, for us, it it's like 45 minutes to go to Costco. You know, it's, 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 we're kind of out there. We have a two lane highway. If there's a crash, we are stuck, you know, we can't go anywhere. Um, but as far as, you know, some of the kids have never left the Island. They don't know what's, you know, about schools on the mainland. They don't know, you know, pretty much anything beyond what is here. And, you know, so it is, that is a challenge. And, you know, we have a similar thing with surf season because we are on the North shore of Oahu. So I, uh, this year we had our accreditation and on the, the last day of our accreditation, there was this big wave surf contest called the Eddy, and it only runs if the waves are 25 or 30 feet and which is maybe about every, I think the last one was six or seven years ago. There was, you know, and we warned him, we're like, nobody's going to be, and sure enough, <laughs> we told our accreditation team, well, you'll get to experience what it's like when the Eddy runs. And it was the same kind of thing. There was nobody in school. <laughs> So, yeah. it, you know, those kind of things are very, you know, interesting to deal with. So, yeah, and so, you know, I try as a teacher to open up some of their horizons, you know, and bring in students who have gone away to the mainland for school or for jobs and are visiting. You know, I try and bring them in and let them talk about life beyond where we are. Well, that, that sort of leads into the, the one of the other things I know you do is the the idea of the Health Academy, uh, which I think is, you know, um, I actually uh, was sitting next to a person who uh, today during professional development who who works in Texas, and she was talking about how they do that as part of almost like a vo- what I would say a vocational program here. Uh, but tell me a little bit more about the Health Academy. What, you know, what are yeah, the goals, it's, opportunities? It's, um, it's similar. It's in our career and technical education program, but it's very science-based. So uh, we've kind of incorporated a little more of the science side of things. Um, but it's basically a it's a three-year program. Uh, the first year is kind of exploratory, looking at different careers, things you might not know, you know, like, oh, that's a health career. I never knew that. You know, so some of the, you know, more obscure careers and things that they probably never even heard of. And, and in that class, they do more, um, you know, basic skills, learning about laws and ethics and, you know, just simple the second year class is more hands-on. So we're doing a lot of the actual vital signs and things like that, that they would be exposed to in the actual health field. And then they do volunteer work in local centers based on what their interests are. Um, and then uh, most of the kids will do the competition that you were talking about earlier, the host of competition, which is um, a great opportunity for the kids. There's many, many different events where the kids can, they choose, there's everything from medical photography, there's speaking events, there's teaching events. It's, it's just crazy. You know, there's pretty much something for everyone. And our kids love it because they get to go and stay overnight in Waikiki and at a hotel. And a lot of them haven't had that experience before. And then they, you know, we have the competition and there's a big dance and it's, it's a great opportunity for the kids to, you know, be exposed to other people, to professionals in the field. Um, and then our third year program, we established a few years ago when we had kids who were like, wait, I want more and, you know, we're done already. So, um, so in that program, we call it the capstone class and they actually go once a week to a health clinic and we have a great relationship with the clinic. They actually let the kids interact with patients. They take vital signs. They, you know, they have to do all the confidentiality training it's just such a good experience and and they get to go in and you know shadow with the doctors and the nurses they learn about charting um so it's just you know a really hands-on experience and it gives them a little jump if they you know are interested in those careers just to have some background before they go into college and you know maybe get it at a much higher level but they've at least had some kind of base behind that 
and so did they have the opportunity to get any like credit or is there any um, ability to get, you know, either uh, certificates or credits as part of the program? Well, well, this year we started a, a one credit medical terminology course. It's an online course. Our problem is, in addition to being away from everything else, we're away from a lot of schools. So our closest school is BYU-Hawaii, which is very close. But unfortunately, that's a private school. So our DOE does not have a that kind of relationship. So our closest community college is, is 40 minutes away. So it's hard. We either have to get a teacher to come out or, you know, go down. And so unfortunately they won't give dual credit for our classes particularly, but this medical terminology was online. So that was a great chance for them. And the teacher was wonderful and he was very accommodating. So they did get some credit for that. Um, We also have um, some issues with our state rules about the kids have to be 18 in order to go into like a nursing home. So we, we had tried to do a nursing assistant type of program and in order to get the clinical experience, they have to be 18 and most of our kids aren't 18. So, you know, that was, we have some interesting rules in Hawaii. can be challenging to get through. Yeah, I think I think you run. I mean, I do a job shadowing program um, with my AP students, and it's not nearly as intensive. But we run into similar issues where uh, you know we'll have a parent who will come to us and say, "Oh, yeah, it'd be great. I work at this place, and I will do that." And there are some companies who it does not matter how well intentioned the parent is, and you know, really, unless they are somebody who is very very high up in the company or who can pull some strings, who can who walks into a room and says, yeah, no, I think these should be the rules. Generally speaking, um, either, you know, in medical side, there are HIPAA regulations and and they have just set policies up, understandably, to protect the institutions. Um, But it does limit the opportunities for some of the uh, for some of the students. And it is great when you get, you know, sort of those one off sort of private practice people. Uh, We have a uh, we have this uh, this great doctor who's one town over and he just runs his own little his own deal. And um, he he occasionally does, uh, you know, kids see surgeries uh, because Mm -hmm. he does his own. Uh, his own. Yeah, our, our uh, military facility is like that, but yeah. it's also pretty far away. But if you can get in there, boy, you can see they're open to anything. You can go see surgeries, and yeah. it's great. So yeah, it's great when you can get those those rare opportunities. But yeah, the I think a lot of you know I think it's one of those balances. And you mentioned the ethics up front. You know it, these ethics rules. I think you have the opportunity to talk about them up front, and you can hopefully frame them. I know that I find that with my kids, I'm a lot of times framing with them why it's challenging to set things up and that it's not, you know, it's not just unfair and it's not just, you know, people are not being mean. It's just, (laughs) these are things that people have put in place for a variety of reasons. And, and, you know, hopefully you can use those for teaching opportunities, um, in those types of things. Uh, another thing, uh, take the kids to the medical school, which is a great opportunity because our medical school here, um, does a unique thing. It's called problem-based learning from the get-go. So from freshman year, they're doing, you know, kind of like what we try and do in the high school classrooms, but they're doing it in medical. They're doing cases right from the beginning, working with patients. And and they have, I want to say, 80 or 90% of their students are from Hawaii. And we generally have at least two or three of them there from our school. And a lot of the kids think, oh, our school is so, you know, they call it ghetto. They call it all kind of interesting things. But to see that oh, our kids did make it to medical school. And we have a football player there now, which is even better because then they can see, oh, I can be a football player and go to medical school. Yeah. You know, so I always try and bring them and meet up with our students that are there to let them know that 
you know, oh, there's other opportunities out there, not just staying where we are and working at the hotel or something, which yeah. is, you know, where a lot of the kids end up. So, yeah, it's a great that you could get those role model pieces. Uh, another thing you mentioned about Hawaii, and I, I mentioned it in the introduction, is that you teach an AP biology online class. And um, as somebody who teaches AP biology, and, you know, I have a little bit of online stuff in there. I, I can't have imagined what that's what's that like. So what what is teaching AP online biology like in Hawaii? Oh, challenging. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I usually only have five or six students, which is they kind of limit it. Um, but the way it works is it actually um, I chose to use something called a base course that was sort of already developed. And I Florida has a very wide virtual learning network. Um, where a lot of the kids do online coursework. So I kind of use their course as a base. So basically what happens is it's it's like an AP biology class, only you don't see the kids face-to-face -face except for labs. So we meet four times a year, and each time we meet, we do two labs. So it's often not where we are. We, <laughs> we're usually doing something close to where we are and something you know that maybe we've already covered or that's coming up for the labs, which is interesting. Um, and then each week we meet uh, once a week online in a forum and I'll either do a lecture or we'll have a Q&A or we'll do a review for a test or something like that. And, um, and then it's very independent, which is where it's challenging. So a lot of times the kids are like, oh, it's an online class. It's no big deal. But, you know, you really have to enforce with them from the beginning that this is like a regular class. So you have to commit an hour a day to the class and plus your reading. That's not including your reading outside. So it's still, you know, so it's I found where it works best is um, at a lot of the schools, the kids will have one period in the day to work on their online. So if they're going to do an online class and those are the ones that work best because then they get that, oh, this is my hour to work on this class. And then I still know what to do at home. I have to do my reading and homework at home. Um, and those are the ones that are most successful. The ones who uh, have a problem are the ones who have a full schedule in their regular school and then are trying to do this on top, you know, and it's basically like adding a seventh or even an eighth class for some of them. And, you know, it, it's, it's challenging. If they're not independent learners, it's a very tough environment to work in. But um, it's good because it, it allows kids that don't have the course at their school to be able to still take it. So I taught an online class. I, I taught a bioethics class face-to-face uh, -face for a while. It was just a semesterized class. And then I taught a bioethics class um, online and it was an experiment. I did it for a couple of years. And what I found was that the kids who were like independent and driven and could schedule out the time, the level of work that they would put in because it was very self-directed was amazing. Like they really, they really owned it. They were as strong. And this was not as academic a class as an AP biology class, but the it, I used to think of it as my like honor section that the kids who did well in that were, were really like my honors bioethics students because they just put in this extra work. You know, we do some online discussions or when we'd have a face-to-face -face meeting, just their work was so over the top, but I, it was certainly not something that was for everybody. And, right. <laughs> and, um, and I think that, you know, I, I always sort of reflect back on that. I haven't done it in a few years. You know, what is it that the skills that we give our kids before they dive in and try these other opportunities? Because I know now, I mean, when I was doing it, it was sort of on the front edge and some students were going to go off and take college classes online. But, right. um, but now I think that's, it's, you know, it's just expected that a lot of students, most students are taking 
some component of an online course. And if you can develop those skills now at the high school level, either through, you know, your version is a much higher end version of that. But uh, I think for the students who are successful there, you are setting them up to to really be able to learn in a variety of environments and be that self-directed learner that we talk about. Um, on that next level. So, uh, and so yeah. you, you, some of the courses in the program are like credit recovery. So if the kids didn't pass it, you know, they can do that as an, another option, which is good instead of trying to do summer school or something like that. So, you know, it's good. Or some of the kids are trying to get ahead, you know, which is another thing. So it, it just, it opens up some opportunities. Um, I would say the AP classes are very hard to do, but we have a lot of courses and at at one time, our state was trying to get every student to take one online class. I think they've kind of backed away from that. But, you know, I definitely think it's a great opportunity because they will be exposed to that at the next level. Yeah. And then from a teaching standpoint, I remember putting in so many hours, uh, the amount of hours I would put in. Um, and you, you mentioned you have a small number, so I think that's manageable. But when I found that, you know, that class got up, I think one t- point I had 15 students and mm-hmm. it was an online class where I had online discussions and online work and oh. I was doing a lot of reading <laughs> and the amount of work, because really you didn't have those, um, you know, the visual cues you have in class and you couldn't do a quick assessment where it's like, all right, I'm just going to do this do now, you know, have them write and then I'll check it in and this will take me 10 minutes to check over during my prep period. It just took so much longer to check everything for me. Um, and again, mm-hmm. the quality of work I felt was good, but I also felt the ownership on me to give the feedback because right. the only way I could give feedback was in writing uh, mm-hmm. most of the time. As it was one-on-one, I felt like I was sort of teaching that that one-on-one class. Um, you know, in some ways, it's it's like you know when we work on the mentoring, where you end up you know mentoring online as opposed right. to mentoring face to face. Whereas if you mentor face to face, you can sometimes just see somebody and give them a smile or, you know, give them a, you know, like very casual, very passive, but online, there's a lot more of that, um, that work that you have to do where you have to be very careful with your communication and specific yes. your communication. Very cautious about what you say. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that brings up, you know, sort of our background together. You know, I think about our work together, you know, it's, it's that, that mentoring part. And I remember, um, I remember, I think the first time I recognized your name and we've worked together for like years and years. We were both mentors at the same time and then facilitators. And I want to say it was like we were working in some some uh, I want to say it was like some it was before we called them explorations or some explorations. And I would go and I'd see somebody post something and I would go up and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to comment that. And I'm like, oh, that's Amy person. She just oh, she already, <laughs> she, already st- she already posted the perfect thing. Like, oh, there's nothing for me to say in this discussion. Uh, she did it again. She posted the perfect thing again. And uh, and so we worked in this, you know, supporting new teachers in that. Um, when I look at your teaching, I see a lot of mentoring, what I would see mentoring opportunities. You're, you're an advisor in these different places. You're working online with students. How does sort of the mentoring fit into your approach to teaching? Um, I kind of almost see myself more as a mentor. I, I feel like the kids need to be a little more independent. So I like to not be, you know, like up there in front of them lecturing all the time. I would rather be working with them and having them getting into things and, and me just kind of helping them out. Um, I, you know, and obviously you can't always do that, but I just feel like it's a a better approach because then the kids take some kind of ownership of what they're learning and, you know, and do a little bit more on their own um, and get a little more independent, which is important for, uh, you know, for later on in life, because that's going to, you know, most of my kids are not going to go on and be scientists as much as I would love for them all to do that. But, you know, I, I feel like if I can teach them about independence and just kind of working with them instead of, 
talking at them, you know, I feel like that's a more effective way, at least for me, it's, it's more comfortable for me to teach that way. So when you're looking at sort of classroom design, um, you know, I had mentioned this to, uh, in, in my interview with Antonio and he, he had said, I don't lecture, I don't lecture, but, uh, which I feel like is like a very extreme. So if I walked into your classroom most of the time, am I going to see you know, students working in small groups, independent work, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't lecture. I definitely do. <laughs> Especially in AP. I do, I do do some lecture. Yeah. Um, and even in human phys, I think, you know, they, they need some background before they can just be left on their own. At least I, my kids do. Um, cause I don't always know what kind of background they're coming in with, but you know, generally that's not going to be a whole class period. That's going to be a small section. And then I, they, I do like the kids to work in groups a lot, or, you know, we do kind of a combination of things. Cause I know some kids like to work independently. So, um, but my students seem to be very group oriented. So if they can, you know, if they can get with a partner or a small group, then I feel like they're, you know, they're doing well. And, and then, you know, we toss in the individual things too. So I know, you know, and obviously they have tests and things like that, they're have accountability, but I think they're kind of a social society, you know, that's sort of how this generation is and to get them talking to each other in AP, I try and even when I'm lecturing, I try and take these little pauses and say, okay, talk about this. And then I walk around and, you know, and then I'll ask somebody, okay, tell me what you talked about. What did you feel about this? Or what did you, you know, think about that? And that gets them thinking a little more, especially knowing that I could call on them. So. Well, I also think that when you talk about the idea of community, um, you know, if you're standing in front of the room and you're talking at the students and it's that directed way, you know, I think back to my first couple of years of teaching and how, you know, it, it was not when I did a very heavy lecture, particularly when I, I came to the school I'm currently in and we did a ton of lecture in my first couple of years, there was a real, it's almost created a barrier to getting to know your students. Whereas right. if you allow them to work and then you float around and you get to there, you know, as much as we think, you know, Oh, I'm going to give them this activity and they're going to be laser focused 100%. They will speak nothing except for cell division, which is this activity they're working on. No, obviously not. They're going to be talking about other things, but that's where you get the insight into who they are as people and you you develop that rapport. And yes, they're going to they're going to have that with one another, but it's I think important particularly if you you have that that importance of community and family that yes. you are able to get that sense when they get to be in a slightly more relaxed environment um talking in their those small groups. Right. So, yeah. So when you are teaching, you know, uh, what are your sort of favorite, you know, I, I was I, I was laughing earlier when you were talking about the health professionals and I was like, I can't wait till the students learn about phlebotomy and how <laughs> wonderfully you tell them what it's like to do phlebotomy for eight hours a day. But um, what are your, some of your favorite topics to get into either in the health careers or in biology? Um, well, in, in biology, I love the cell and molecular stuff. I always have. Um, and I always joke with my kids because, you know, we use Campbell for AP biology and I had the first edition, still have it in my classroom of Campbell. We're on number 10 now. And I joke, you know, because there's chapters in the book now that weren't even invented when I was in college. And, you know, I was like, this is the field. If you want to be in something rapidly changing and, you know, I, I just, I love, I love genetics. I love all of that. So this summer I actually went to a week long molecular biology training at the medical school um, about how to incorporate these things in your classroom and was shocked that one of my students was a postdoc there and doing <laughs> research. And I was like, oh, she did one of our presentations. And, you know, it's just so, it's such a exciting field. I mean, the research they're doing, they're doing Zika research and cancer, and there's just so much, and the kids have 
they read all these things and they have so many questions about it. So I, you know, it's easy to get them excited. And, and I love, you know, I, those are my favorites, I would say. Um, I mean, I, I like it all pretty much. I, I tell my kids at the beginning of the year, I'm a biology nerd, you know, straight from, (laughs) I get excited about, you know, evolution even. So it's, it just, I, I love it. I, um, and, and then in, in human phys, you know, we cover all the systems and, and I love the nervous system. That one is really exciting for me. And, and I really, we do a, a little unit about drugs and how they affect the brain and, and the kids have to research a drug and there's so many out there and all the prescription drugs and, you know, just for them to see all the effects that it can have short term, long term, and, and, you know, hopefully it's steering some of them away from that you know, yeah. aspect of things. Um, well, I, I think I think of Hawaii as a sort of living laboratory, you know, from the geology and the biology and you oh, know, yeah. invasive well, species. Ecology, I mean, I just tell the kids, I was like, this island, you can go, <laughs> there's almost every ecosystem on this island at some place. We have so many little micro ecosystems here, which is really exciting. I wish we could get out more. That's my one wish is that we could get out more and have more time to actually get out and, you know, look at some of those things. But I and, you know, at least point it out, like, oh, go hiking here and you'll see this. And, you know, so yeah, we we had we have the students do that in in Massachusetts. And, you know, it's I mean, extremely different. But um, you it's amazing how the kids don't realize the diversity of ecosystems we have here, uh, you know, just in Massachusetts and, and all the little microhabitats. And it's like, yeah, go to this place and go through this nature trail and you will see this, this and this. And they'll be like, really? Like, yeah. where am I going to find? They'll be like, they'll say things like, you know, where are we going to find a bog? And I was like, well, let's pull out the map of the conservation areas. And there's one here and there's one here. And they're like, <laughs> uh, you know, they, I think they, they see the big ones are kind of obvious, but they don't, they, they, they have a hard time with, I think we have eight in our assignment and they're, they're always puzzled. They're always like amazed. And they're like, well, how are we going to answer this? Or how are we going to know what this is? And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the point of the assignment is you're going right. to figure that out but um yeah, yeah for my uh, summer assignment i've done this the past couple of years is that kids have to go take ecology selfies so they have to go out and find all these different ecology terms on the island and uh take a picture with them in it so they can't just use the internet or something and and the kids love it it's actually really fun and they make a little powerpoint about it so that we can see and they have to you know define the term and then show what it looks like and stuff so it, it's just you know there's so many things here for them to see so that's amazing that's a, that's a great, that's a great time. We do make the kids have pictures with them for, for the exact same thing. Make sure yeah. you have all your group members at the ecosystem uh, for, <laughs> for the exact same reason that, you know, that you just didn't, you know, s- scrape the internet to find all of your stuff. So, uh, so you, you mentioned, uh, you know, I, I would imagine all the outdoors when you're, you know, not teaching, what are you doing in Hawaii? I do love to be outdoors. <laughs> I, I hike a lot. That's my kind of my new passion. I like to do that. And and in January, I started started a outrigger canoe paddling with like six man, which is is interesting and very takes a toll. But it's really fun. <laughs> we have a great fun crew. Just and more for fun. It's not you know we we've done a couple races, but it's just more for fun. Um, so that's like team. It's team races. Yeah. So, um, and there's, there's people who are real serious. Nobody in our club is real serious about it. They have this one that's like 35 miles. We haven't done anything like that. (laughs) Um, so that's fun. I just like to be outside and then indoors. I love to make puzzles and and read and just, I read, I I should read more sciencey things, but I tend to read more mysteries and those kind of things (laughs) get away from my science in some time of the day. So there's nothing wrong with that. I would, you know, I, I was talking about this, um, 
uh, in the last episode at, about how like I audiobook mysteries. So oh, I'm, awesome. I'm I'm always running, and so I I can download them for free uh, from the library, and you get them for two weeks. And so I'm always I burn through I mystery series after, and I, for me like I want a series where the same characters are solving yeah, slightly different like. mysteries, <laughs> and I like to burn. But you know. So you can geek out, though, because who am I listening to? I'm listening to, you know, Scarpetta novels, which are all about forensics. Yeah. And stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's not it's they're, they're Maybe I'd like to run if I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it is one of those kind of things where even when I say, oh, yeah, I'm just vegging out and I'm listening to that. I liked I like a lot of crime stuff because I love the forensics and I love yes, all of the I forensic like science stuff. So um, I'm always I read most of the Scarpettas too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I had read a bunch of the early ones and I, this is my my new series right now as I've been going back through and um, there are several that I hadn't read. So I, I've been audiobooking those as I go through. Oh, awesome. So yeah, I'm a big a big fan of the library uh, for that reason. Yeah. You know, and I, love to, I have two girls, so we love to be out. They like the outdoors too, which is nice. So they're not like couch potatoes. So that's great. They like to hike and, and my husband too. So we try, try and do a lot of family things. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we, what's the thing where we go out? Not letterboxing, um, geocaching. I don't know if you do geocaching. Oh, I just started doing that. Yeah. I, I, my friend, we were hiking. My friend's like, oh, I have to geocache. So I was like, what? So she she introduced me to it. So we, we actually went to Utah um, this summer after my daughter graduated from college. And we did some geocaching on our way back down to California. And it was so fun. I had never done that before. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, when I, when I have a, like, a, you know, like a little window where the boys, I feel like the boys have been sitting around for a while and I've got the day off and I'll be like, all right, let's, let's go do that. We, we do that frequently at holiday and we got a lot of nature trails around here. So I'll just drive to an area. I'd have no idea, but there, there's always a geocache somewhere around if you, uh, That's amazing, if, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like you drive someplace and you open it up and, uh, you know, and then apparently, uh, one of my friends said that, you, you know, if you're doing it, you got to make sure nobody's seeing you because you don't want the muggles to see, uh, <laughs> the people who don't know about geocaching he called the muggles i don't know if that's an like, official term or or just the uh, misappropriating it from harry potter so when uh when we uh when you're when you get back so you're in your final couple weeks of summer so you know i say i'm in i'm in like relax and reflect mode you know i'm sitting back you're like in ramping up mode you gotta be you're probably starting to get the get... i actually just did my lesson for ap bio just before we were on here i just i I just got my test results and my kids really struggled this year. I, I didn't have a very high level crew this year, but I thought they would do a little better on the test than they did. So I was like, oh, I got it. My kids are, the new format is just really hard for them yeah. for the test. So I am trying to revamp things and, uh, you know, re, I don't know, relook at how I'm doing things. Cause I got to do something different to get, them more practice they really have trouble with the reading comprehension on the test and you know just when one question is an entire page long you know and yeah. you know, just kind of picking through so yeah my, I have to work on that so that's my goal for this year I, I have a lot of students um you know we're uh we're a sort of a high-powered juggernaut kind of academic yeah, school yeah <laughs> and uh but even with that said you know my students after the AP were saying the same thing to me they were saying yeah, we really want, you know, we need more practice with calculations. And I feel like we do tons and tons of that. But they, they, you know, I, I think all of these students that we've got now, they are this product of this sort of this testing regime. So they, mm -hmm. we, we put them through this idea. And 
I'm so happy with the new AP in the sense that it it's so not about grilling down for facts that are going to be on a right. test and that sort of flexible thinking. But that's what they're used to. That's the problem. <laughs> but in a lot in a lot of ways, it's it is a it is almost a bait and switch on these guys. And you know, I I, I am fairly fortunate with the the kids that we have. Um, you know, in terms of the background and how they they have and. Um, it, we had a little bit of freedom um, where we were kind of myself and, and Brian, who I work with, we co-teach. So I, we have two people working off each other. And I think that mm-hmm. provides it. And we had really gotten into a space where when they made the switch, uh, we were like on the verge of rebelling against the AP. We were like so sick <laughs> of the content that we right. were like we were like really ready to sort of throw off the shackles of the content and, and dive into these new areas. And, you know, it's not to say that it was an easy thing, um, but it really sort of hit at the right time for us. We were really ready to try to do some, some do, uh, do new things. With that said, my students still haven't got back to where they were on the, t- I mean, my first right. year, like they were like all fives. Like my kids were like, they, oh, they, they, like I had like, like all fives and like eight fours. And like wow. my first year there were, I had no students who got a three. And then, wow. so like, yeah, like my, my, I think my individual average, my, to get a five on yeah. this well, and as I said, I feel bad, you know, like it, it's, you know, it, when you're, when you're given what I'm given as students, it's, you know, I, I don't think it's any magic for me. I think, you know, it's, it's this, this unbelievable system that I get to work in and great kids and kids who work really hard with that said, since they've changed the format, there's been a shift down yeah. and uh, the kids would say the the first year of the AP the kids who came in after that that second year they said yeah we heard everyone failed the AP <laughs> now i want you to know that like my average my, for my students was a 42 the wow. second year but and there were kids who got threes so my kids getting threes is failing and oh, it's yeah. not reality it's not like it's not reality they don't live well, in reality in a lot of the colleges i was kind of checking and they're taking the threes now yeah. even BYU colleges are taking threes now yeah. which they used to so i think the colleges are realizing oh these kids really do know their stuff they're just you know the, well the national averages are scary i will tell you i don't know if you follow twitter but i was following the trevor uh trevor's twitter handle where he posts the scores and he posts the national averages and lets you know that and i'll tell you what by the time the scores came out and my kids did my kids just did did just fine they did basically identical to how they've done each of the last two years and they did very well and i was very happy for them but i'll tell you by the time those tests came out i was like i'm never somebody who's like i gotta check the first day they come out like i was totally (laughs) panicked because i think this is these tests are so much more rigorous and i certainly do have students who do much better be, when they're able to sort of mine down. Like I think about the classes where it's like really just about, they think it's about facts or they can compensate right. with time. They put in extra time during the year and we can't really necessarily see that. Mm-hmm. Um, they they end up compensating a little bit and they sort of hide some of the, the weaknesses in their thinking because they right. put in an extra hour of time into their assignments. Um, yeah. And I think that I have students who, when you have conversations with them, you have you realize it or on the individual test, they struggle in those areas, but they mask it by doing all this extra work and they work really hard and <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and and those kids, you know, when I look at their scores at the end, they are not getting, you know, they're they're getting threes and they're not they're they're not scoring the same way they're scoring like quarter average wise. Their quarter averages and their tests are different. And it makes me wonder a little bit about how do I set up my classes to allow the kids to mask their struggles mm-hmm. in ways that I can't see? Like, how do you make it so that they're being authentic 
um, right. in, in those pieces. Um, yeah, but you know, I still think with the way the test is now, you know, I still think kids can be successful and maybe not even get a three on the test. You know, I, I feel like I, you know, I, judging by my kids from the last few years, they're like, oh my gosh, my college biology was so easy. You know, they got like a two on the test and I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, it's yeah. like, they're still, the way the colleges are structured hasn't changed. I don't feel, you know, my daughter just got her marine biology degree and she was like, oh no, they're, they haven't changed very much in college. Yeah. You know, they, they want to tell you that they want the kids to be more inquiry based, but their tests are just as factual as they ever were as far as, you know, maybe they're going to shift. I don't know, but you know, I, I just think it helps the kids to be thinkers, you know, to, to learn in that way. So I think that's what's good about the test. I, you know, I just, I don't think the test is necessarily going to be indicative of how they're going to do in college. So. Well, and you, and you do make that point of, you know, wherever you are, you're trying to take the kids from where they are at the start of the year Right. on a journey to someplace else. And, and for some kids, you know, I, I will say some of the kids that I was like happiest for when I looked at my scores were the kids who scored threes, because right. I'll be honest, like I had a couple of kids who they were, cr- I mean, I, I felt like I, I felt bad. I felt like all I did is bludgeon them with Campbell. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, here, you're, you're standing up yet. Let me hit you again with this 20 pound <laughs> book. Uh, like I felt like all year long, you know, like I just give them these tests and they'd struggle and they, you know, they'd get D's or, you know, they, they'd really just struggle on assignment after assignment after assignment, but they were able to grow and it, because the, right. our course isn't static and they, they wow. were able to get to a score which, you know, they may not see it now, but I know that they took a journey from one place to someplace else by the end of the year. And that, you know, that's... uh... Yeah, for me, I kind of, you know, we sort of have an open policy, sort of open policy of who can take AP at my school. So I get a lot of kids that are not the typical AP students. But, you know, I'm like, I'm just about you guys learning. I don't care what my test scores are. You know, I just want Mm -hmm. to, you know, and I feel like, all of the kids know a lot more when they leave than they knew coming in, which, you know, to me, that's what's important. I don't, you know, it's like, I know I'm never going to have, you know, 30 kids all getting fives on the test. That's not going to happen for me, but I'm just happy if they're learning biology and, and a lot of them really love it, which is great. That's what I really want to see. Yeah. And I would like, and personally, I would like to see our class become more open. I would like to see more kids taking AP biology. Um, Believe it or not, in my school, the numbers in AP biology, the number of kids who are taking it is actually going down. Mm -hmm. Um, We've actually, we have fewer sections now than we had a couple of years ago. And I'm not 100% sure why that is, but um, we a little bit guardian at the gate, but we are more open than I think the students think. So mm-hmm. we definitely have tracking and we definitely do not project an open policy to taking AP. Uh, but the students who didn't get necessarily take honors biology, honors chemistry, they and are taking the AP biology, kids who didn't take that honors tracker and getting in are still doing well in our classes. Right. They're still yeah. able to achieve um, and so somehow we have to change that narrative within the school. And that's, it's like, we have to change school culture. And I don't know how you change this like school. I mean, we, as I said, the, these kids are very academically tenacious. They're very grade conscious. They're very, you know, in, they're in a lot of ways, it's a lot of the negative status components of their grades. Like they're very status component about what their grades say. And they're very defined by how they do. And I would love to shift a little bit of that culture so that more <laughs> students would would be open. And, you know, we, it's sort of that other end of the, uh, you know, the pendulum in terms of um, my kids are all about sort of stepping 
onto a bigger and further thing. Like nobody, it's very few kids stick around in our community. They are all going off to different places, and they're all going off to, and and in some ways, there is not enough of a what is important to me. What is a reflect like a little bit of a pausing and oh maybe I'll take this and maybe this will be hard, but I'll learn something. Like yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot more calculation that goes into our kids. Um, oh, definitely. Then. Yeah, for so you know and i know like we're offering ap environmental next year so that just my class took a total hit because they're like oh well that's easier than ap bio so let's take that <laughs> i was like okay so you know wait i just think kids are kids and they're yeah. gonna be you know. so it'll be interesting to to see how things wash out maybe the you know, maybe maybe a couple of years from now, I look back and I go, "Wait a minute, why did I want all these extra kids to take this class?" Um, but <laughs> but I I don't think that's the that's the case. Right. Um, so as I, we were talking about, you're walking your class. Do you got any sort of uh, things you're looking forward to as you dive into this year? You know, any specific changes you're looking at either next uh, year or the next couple of years? Um, we're, well, I mean, our state is shifting towards the NGSS, so that's exciting for me because I think it's long overdue, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, my class, my human phys has been pretty inquiry, and I try and make it as inquiry-based as I can, but, you know, I, I'm excited and a little nervous to, to kind of delve into that because it's it's quite a bit different than it's always been, and, you know, we worry about what the test is going to look like and those kind of things or, you know, and I shouldn't worry about that, but you know, there's always that concern, but um, so that's exciting for me and, and a little nervous, nerve wracking. Um, and I would just say, you know, every year is different. I just love to get my new kids every year and just see what they're all about. Last year, I just had like behavior wise, like a dream year of the most wonderful kids. So I'm, I'm a little nervous about this year. <laughs> like, does that mean this year's going to be really bad? So, but yeah, I just had the nicest kids last year. I, they weren't necessarily the best academic kids I've ever had, but they were just so willing to, you know, get so excited about school. So that was, or about class anyway. So that was good. So hopefully I'm, you know, I just always look forward to seeing my new kids and kind of adapting to them as we go. That's uh yeah, it's, I haven't even really, thought about what my new room like you know what the kids are I I have I have a list for my AP but I haven't I don't know that my my other rosters are out yet but I definitely have my rosters of my AP and I get to see the kids who I get a second time so oh yeah for me so like that's always uh, or I have the kids who I might have a second time I should say that because right. I have um we have two teachers who teach AP and I teach two of the sections so I like I, I that that's sort of always an exciting thing for me where I get to say oh I'm so excited that you know this kid and oh that kid was so neat and you know like I wonder if I'm gonna have those two kids together because when I had them together in honors they were really funny together you know um I I I pretty much always feel excited about looking at that group because they're, they're always such wonderful kids. Um, right. and I, I really do enjoy teaching the AP class, um, and getting those kids that second time. Um, but it, it is, it is curious. I find that, um, I have been finding my students are easier and easier every year. Um, but I think it's cause I'm like more and more mellow every year <laughs> that like, <laughs> that I'm like, that, like I find the kids are nicer, but like, I think I probably am nicer <laughs> <laughs> than I was 15 years ago. Like 15 years ago, I had a much harder edge in the room. I like oh, a yeah. much, I it was much more like about 
we got to do X, Y, and Z. And like, we're on a schedule and we got to get to this point, thing like that. Or like now it's like, yeah, whatever, we'll get there. You know, like I know well, what I want to do. I love human phys. Human phys is so open because there's no test at the end. There's no, you know, yeah. so it's just like, oh, well, if we cover them all, we cover them all. If we don't, you know, it's no <laughs> So yeah. I, I love teaching that class because it's really, I'm the only, well, I, I'm going to have another teacher teaching it this year, which I haven't had in a while, but, um, but he's pretty flexible so i'm just like okay so that's kind of my class where i can do what i feel yeah. like ap is a little more pressure for me but um working on it <laughs> yeah yeah we'll definitely have to share some stuff so uh we've had i've kept you here for wow close to close to 50 oh. minutes <laughs> time flies um so uh before we get to our picks do you have any questions for me i i don't think so i think we're all yeah we're good you have to say, good. I, I, I got to interview some people who don't know me. Like I know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people who haven't known me for years and are like, yeah, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just ask you later or whatever. Uh, so, all right. Well, uh, so that brings us to our picks of the week or picks of the episode. Uh, Amy, what is your pick? I picked the Howard Hughes uh, Medical Institute. They're, they have great resources for teachers. Uh, it's HHMI dot com lots of interactive there's great uh, evolution stuff on there it's a really good site so that is my pick of the day yeah do you use those in regular bio or ap or i use them in ap a lot um i even found a couple of human phys things that i can do and and for human phys i would say um the nih has a great series um on the brain and they actually have a lot of different ones but i really liked their series on the brain and um, they have a whole set of student activities with teacher guides. Also, I'll share that site with you as well. Cause that one's another really good one. So. Great. Yeah. I use, I use the HHMI, um, uh, for a couple of different things and we use, um, I know they have, a uh, a human, uh, human genes or human variants that they show about, uh, you know, lactase persistence and they talk oh. about, um, uh, malaria and sickle cell anemia. And oh, I'm trying to remember the other one. There's another great one that they have in there that I know I use with my honor students. And then I find, I feel like I'm always stealing different things. Uh, the last couple of years, uh, we've been using several of their click and learns, which is oh, that, yeah, that one, that, that, the one I was mentioning there, uh, click and learns. And then I also had, there's a really neat one where, um, there was a, a video where they had like little pause points where there were like quizzes inside um, the human skin. Yeah, I did one. one of those on the, it was like the mice in the desert. Uh, yeah, the, the pocket, uh, rock pocket mice. Yes, rock pocket mice. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great one. So um, yeah, that's a, a great resource. I, I kind of feel like it's almost overwhelming how many good things are in there. I, I, I every once in a while I'll get, I get myself lost in there. Like I go in there looking for something and I'm like, oh, you know, this is really good. I should use this next year when I, <laughs> so I, get, I have to, I have to collate my, my resources a little bit uh, more. All right. Well, my pick is um, I put a, it's called backyardbrains.com uh, and big backyardbrains.com is uh, it has to do with the PD that I'm doing, you know, this will be retrospective. So, uh, I will have been done at the week of the 18th. Um, and, uh, it's, it's basically got all of these, um, sort of physiology, 
um, nervous system connections. Uh, and they have all of these uh, sort of electrode-based activities. So there's this activity that you can do where you can hook up two people's arms. And when one person makes a fist, it causes the other person's nerves to feel that signal and cause them to make a fist. Uh, you oh. can also make uh, cockroach robots, uh, which I'm supposed to be doing next week in PD. Um, I'm going to put the link to the website, the uh, uh, Backyard Brains. I know I'm going to come back to this later. Um, I'm doing this thing at, at, uh, at it's a, uh, it's all about uh, the nervous system uh, and neurobio at MIT next week. And I, I, I got the advanced stuff and I like, lost the rest of the afternoon like they sent the advanced videos and like please read this stuff before you come and and i was like i was watching I, like watching all these videos about the surgery on the cockroaches and like looking at the different like it was it like is mad science fiction like i don't know how we're gonna do this but it looks so crazy so i have no idea how i'm gonna fit into my classroom um, although I yeah, can share with me, I'll use it in my human fist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, resources. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's crazy, and I, they definitely have a, a lending library at MIT, which I you know I was looking at it. Some of the stuff that they have, some of the equipment is not cheap, so right. I definitely am going to be using that. And I was already starting to think of, hmm, where do I get the funding to get some of these other <laughs> these other resources? But uh, yeah, looks like some crazy. Uh, some crazy interesting things. And I know there's a lot of people out there who do uh, very adventurous uh, lab type activities. So I'm I'm so curious to see what it looks like. Um, you know, we're doing uh, we're going to be doing all of this interesting uh, neurobio stuff next week at MIT. And uh, when I started going through this website, I was like, I got to share this out because or I look at it and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to use that. I know that there are people I know who when they see this will immediately jump out and go like, I totally know how I want to build a whole unit around that. So uh, hopefully cool. in a couple of weeks I will know that. So, <laughs> well, Amy, thank you very much um, for joining me. All right. Yeah, this Thank is, you for having me. This is episode four. So let me give you my credits. Uh, music on this episode and uh, every episode is provided by Jank Jenkins and Ex-Magicians. Uh, also, uh, you can subscribe to this uh, podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on Google Play. And also, you can see show notes uh, for this and all past episode episodes on lifeoftheschool.org. You can also leave feedback um, on the feedback page on the website, or you can uh, send me a tweet at Life of the School or at Mr. Matthew Tweets. I will put those both on the website as well. So thank you, everybody, and I will talk to you soon. <laughs>